our locker room portion of the Welcome to the J podcast. Um, I'm your host, Jahans Manica, uh, talking to you all things Korean men's basketball hoops. And we have something very important to discuss today. Before I do that, I'm just going to post to make sure that everybody knows that we are on live. I see there's already a couple of guests in the room. Feel free to uh, request to speak. Uh, you'll be able to speak to me live on air. Uh, we'll be able to discuss whatever it is that is on your mind. Uh, I know a lot of Crane fans have, have things on their minds that I'm sure they want to blow some steam off about. So I'm here to listen to you, to talk you through it, and you know, have this conversation about what the boys could do either better or differently in order to not have the same outcome that happened last night. So just to recap, um, they lose to the Georgetown Hoyas, 86 to 79. Uh, a couple of notable J performances, Denzel Mahoney with um, Denzel Mahoney with 22 points, four rebounds, four assists. Mitch Ballack uh, with 16 points, three rebounds, three assists. 14 points and six assists for Marcus Zagorowski and Christian Bishop with 14 points and 10 rebounds. Uh, so normally when we hear stat lines like this from four out of five starters, you would assume that it's a J victory, but the Hoyas did a good job of keeping the boys at an arm's length all night, making some tough shots um, and executing when they needed to, uh, getting the stops that they needed to, Maybe a favorable non-shot clock violation call at the end uh, to help solidify the victory, but it's basketball. Things like that happen. We're not here to talk about, you know, the the referees or you know that particular call. We're here to talk about what we see from the boys, uh, what we would like to see in the future to make sure that something like this doesn't happen and, you know, what they can do to uh, get back on the winning side of things. They, they snapped a two game losing streak by going on a two game winning streak of their own. And, and now they just drop one to the Georgetown Hoyas. So um, I, as a fan, you know, as a former player, you never want to see the boys lose. Obviously I'm, I'm Obviously, super biased on the on the Jays. I've I've been a fan for seven years now that I'm a pro overseas. I stay up really late to watch them play. I'm really invested in you know watching their performance, and also I've gained uh you know a I, I've had a solid relationship with those guys because I go back in Omaha and I train with them in the summer. I see how hungry they are to compete and to play and to represent the university. So all I want to do is see good things come out for these guys and. Last night was a, a tough game to watch, a, a tough pill to swallow, feeling like we're making a run near the end and it just kind of falls short uh, because of, you know, lack of concentration in some areas or, you know, un, uh, unforced turnovers. I just allowed Georgetown to get on the break and continue to build their lead in very important times. So uh, we have our first question from Cray and Blue Jays. Uh, thank you for joining the this locker room session of the Welcome to the J podcast. His question is going into this year, I thought we'd be we would have a super deep team. Any idea why the bench is struggling so much? That is a very good point. That's certainly one of the points that I had on my notes that I wanted to discuss. Like I said earlier, uh notable performances from the starters. Um, you know, Damon Jefferson was the only guy who didn't 
uh, scoring double figures in the starting five. Um, let me pull up these numbers real quick just to make sure that I'm accurate. Yeah, Damian Jefferson ended the game with uh, seven points and five rebounds. Still not an awful game. We've all seen we've seen DJ play much better, but the rest of the guys, Christian, 14 points. Marcus Zagorowski, 14 points, 16 points from Mitch Ballack, 22 from the leading scorer, uh, Denzel Mahoney. So now we look at our bench production. And out of the four guys who came onto the court uh, to provide some uh, some time and, and some energy to the Jays, only six points between four guys. And only two out of those four guys actually score points, one guy being... Uh, Sharif Mitchell only scored a one point. So, uh, yeah, we have seen the Jays certainly, you know, look like gangbusters off the bench, showing their depth in a game like at home against St. John's, where everybody was touching the rock, everybody felt good, um, and, and the ball was just going in from from everyone. And it was also the first time that they played without Marcus Zagorowski. So that kind of leads you to believe that the depth on this team is, 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 is strong that they can, you know, weather the storm if, if there's any foul trouble or any sort of injury situations. But in the last two or three games, we're really kind of seeing a regression of that bench. Um, and I mean, it, it's a really tough position to play guys. Like I've, I've been in that position before I've, I've been in that position as a collegiate athlete. I've been in that position as a pro to be a consistent scorer or you know a, a consistent um positive asset off the bench is not a role that you know it, it, it's one that is very tough to play um i had avery dingman on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and he talked about basically his whole career coming off the bench and how you would warm up with the team uh feel really great you know you 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 break a sweat you feel good in warm-ups you stretch you feel good and then you basically have to perhaps sometimes sit like 20 minutes of real time maybe not game time but real time just sitting on the bench as you get cold and then all of a sudden you're you're asked to go in there and in Avery's situation he was asked to defend one of the better players on the offensive end and how how difficult of a uh, job that is to come in cold and then really provide a spark um where you're asked to provide that spark. So last night was one of those nights where, like I said, four guys came off the bench, um, only scoring six points amongst each other. Sharif with one point, um, Antoine Jones with five points. But, you know, the depth that we saw in earlier games just wasn't there last night. I don't necessarily know if there's a answer that we could just you know point to and say like if they do this this or that then they will be able to help those guys out coming on from off the bench to to have either better numbers to help the Jays offensively um I think honestly is it's about rhythm it's about confidence and I think just right now some of the guys coming off the bench are lacking a little bit of confidence not seeing their shots fall uh not having you know productive minutes immediately like we like they were used to a little bit earlier on in the year. You look at a freshman like Kalkbrenner, where, you know, he was uh, held in check yesterday, but we've seen him have big games and, and big sparks off the bench. So it's not that it's not in him uh, for him to come off the bench and provide such a spark, but last night just was not the night. 
And it doesn't help also that the boys, like I said, turn the ball over 15 times and um, are unable to really get into a groove. And it seemed like every time they were about to turn that corner and really get into a groove, Georgetown stopped their run. Georgetown hit a tough three or a 50-50 ball went Georgetown's way and they were able to capitalize off of it. So that was our first question, and I and I hope I I'm able to I was able to answer that question. I would I would like to hear more of your thoughts, guys. Uh, keep the questions coming. Um, Jerry Lampy, thank you for joining the pod. Uh, how tough was it to create energy when you guys played at Evansville, Indiana State, and DePaul in front of small crowds? This team has come out flat with little energy the last six games in front of no fans or small home crowds. You were the guy who brought energy from the tip when you played. Yeah. It's tough, and this is one of those things that we discussed uh, numerous times on the podcast. It, it it's a uh, it's a very unusual experience that these guys are going through. And uh, honestly, I'm I'm a pro right now. I'm 29 years old. We are asked to play in front of no uh, fans in some pretty big arenas here in Lithuania. And even now, I struggle, you know, with the, the beginning of the game, especially because when the game is in motion and 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 um, you're going up and down. You expect that the fans react to literally anything. You hear a groan from a turnover. You hear the excitement of a three-point shot going down. You hear the thunderous ovation of a dunk. Now these guys are in a situation where they have none of that, and they are young men who are still developing into who they're going to be, and it's an unusual situation for them that they haven't gone through uh, before, and you know, I, I'm not shocked that, you know, I, I'm not only talking about the Blue Jays here, but I'm talking about college basketball teams in general because I, I watch a lot of college basketball, not only the boys. The boys are obviously who I prefer to watch, but just being a fan of basketball in general, if there's a good game on, I'll, I'm going to turn it on. And even if it's not that great of a game, sometimes I'll just turn it on just because it piques my interest. But it's difficult to create energy when there is no crowd to give you the feedback that you're, you know, so used to. I, I liken it a little bit to a stand-up comedian telling jokes in an empty room. How do you know whether or not that is a good joke or a bad joke or something that you need to work on if you have none of that uh, immediate feedback from the the crowd of people to whom you know you really rely on and depend on? So it, it's it's an adjustment period. It's a tough one. I kind of told I, I said in a couple of episodes ago that I gave the guys until February to kind of figure it out and then you know they really have to step up to the plate after that point because you know it is what it is uh it's either you've learned how to do it or you haven't at that point so um I I hope that they're still you know on that learning curve of of understanding how to create their own energy um but yeah it's I, I empathize with them I'm dealing with it um, from this standpoint of playing overseas right now, it's it's difficult and it's tough, but nonetheless you have to do it. And to answer your question about how difficult was it to to create energy in front of small crowds, in some respect that's even that's even tougher. <laughs> um, I remember we lost a game at Evansville. I believe it was my junior year. I'm not sure. Um, we ended up winning the Valley that year. So yeah, it might've been my junior year, but yet and still because they had just moved into the, I believe it was called the Ford center at the time and they weren't packing it out. There was just enough 
people there to, you know, to, to make some sort of noise, but it wasn't as consistent as you would hear from like our large crowd. So it was really weird. We would go on runs and all you'd hear is like a single person like groaning, really. And then they would go on their runs. You would expect the building's roof to come undone. And and that's not what it was at all. It was just really like a, a handful of class and some cheers. And then before you know it, the game is over. I think we were a ranked team at that time. So the little bit of people who were actually in the arena rushed the floor. If you guys could go back and find video of that, it'd be kind of funny and interesting to look at now. But it's just a, it's a tough situation to be in. And like I said, I empathize with these guys. I understand that it's tough, but at the same time, you know, you got to put your big boy pants on and understand that this is the situation that we're in and, and you must learn from it or else you're going to be kind of, you know, left behind, always wondering what could we have done to, to provide that energy and that spark. Um, so thank you, Jerry, again, for joining the chat. Uh, that was a very good question. Uh, keep the questions coming, guys. I'm, I'm here to... <laughs> Not only for yourself, but for me too. It, it, this is kind of uh, cathartic in a sense in order to uh, help myself, you know, kind of get through last night's loss as a fan and, and as an as an admirer of the team. Obviously, wishing them nothing but the best. Earlier in the season, we were talking about how good this team could be. Uh, the feedback that I was getting from just about everybody that I was talking to was that this team is a team destined to make a run, a very deep and experienced team where on any given night anybody could take the lead role as far as scoring the basketball and then that they would have at least three four five guys behind them uh you know pushing them towards that one goal which is obviously getting past the first weekend of the ncaa tournament and seeing how far this team can go but uh so far we've had two you know, kind of head-scratching losses, if you want to call them that. Obviously, at Butler against a, a team that was struggling at that point in time. And last night against Georgetown at home, which you you never want to see. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just a tough situation. But I've said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, my panic meter for the boys right now is still at a 2 out of 10, believe it or not. I'd like to know what you guys are thinking as far as what your panic meter is at. Uh, let me know in the comment section or, you know, you can request to speak to me and, and talk to me about it if you'd like to. But my panic meter is still at a two. Uh, it's still early February. Obviously, at this point, you'll want the guys to start rounding into form so we can have a better picture of what March is going to look like. But this is an unusual year. This is, you know, something that none of us are necessarily used to. And there is growing pains that comes with this type of situation because of how unusual it is. So from the coaching staff to the players to the trainers, you know, everybody involved with the program, this is unprecedented time. So we're all dealing with it the best that we can. And uh, yeah, the, the boys are going to have their chance to redeem themselves here. Um the boys going to have a chance to redeem themselves here on Saturday uh, playing against a Marquette team that they lost to uh, earlier on in the year, the first Big East game. So obviously looking ahead, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to see how they respond. Um, Coach Mack has always been uh, good at, you know, responding to a, a tough loss like this. So I, I can't wait to see the energy and the effort that the boys play with. I believe they're going to be at Marquette this time around. Um, yeah, 
because obviously they were at home when they lost. Uh, I hear Tom Jelinek. I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. No panic. I hope they are in a groove heading into much. I agree with you, brother. I agree with you wholeheartedly. No panic. You know, the this is what the season is all about. You are thrown in the fire. You have a series of tests. It's kind of like a rite of passage for what's to come in March. You know, as, I, I think that's a good way to look at it. This is just them going through their rite of passage, understanding what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. Obviously, uh, 15 turnovers to a team that doesn't necessarily turn people over that much uh, is something that the boys are going to have to clean up. Um, but the beautiful thing about kind of having a quick turnaround um, is that you have to obviously you want to learn about the mistakes that you just made, right? Like we never want to downplay it and say, oh, the boys just lost this game. There's nothing for them to learn to get better. That's that's never the issue. But what it does for players is it gives them something to look forward to. So as much as we, uh, as much as we understand that, you know, this was a loss that we, we should have not had, now we get a chance to turn around and, and really give it your all. I, I think about, when we lost at Providence my senior year, we literally had 48 hours to figure out what we we're going to do against the number four Villanova team. And obviously, Korean fans know the rest is history. But when you have quick turnarounds like this, it really helps players. It helps the staff to, to think more ahead than, than behind. And it forces them to think about another game plan, what they're going to do, what they have to do to execute. And then it turns into, you know, these are the things that we struggled with in the last game. Let's drill it let's apply what we're learning from these drills into game situations and let's be ready for the next opponent so i agree with you tommy no panic the boys will get into their groove um let's see what their schedule is looking like for the next couple of games and you know i'll, I'll say what it is and you guys tell me out of the next one two three four five games what do you think the boys record will be so obviously they play at marquette um on Saturday, right? Yeah, on Saturday, they play against Georgetown again a couple of days after that. Then Villanova at home, DePaul at home, and then on the road at Xavier. So those five games, you guys in the comment section, let me know what do you think their record is going to be 4-1, and 5-0, and 3-2, oh, and two, whatever your thoughts are, let me know. Crane Blue Jays saying, uh, I'm definitely not worried. I definitely I'm not worried so far, but I am less confident than I was at the beginning of the year. Hey, you know what? That that's gonna come with the territory a little bit, right? I mean, no one is as confident as they were, <laughs> um, especially coming off of a loss. So I I agree with you there. Um, you know, the when your favorite team loses, it kind of makes you lose a little bit of confidence in them. I would be lying to you guys if I said that, you know, this loss didn't affect the way that I, I see this team. But what I always go back to is my trust in the program, my trust in the coaching staff, because I, I just I know these guys. Obviously, I have a different kind of perspective on it, having been a former player, uh, having, you know, been in those locker rooms, having those conversations with some of the guys who are still there and then you know, understanding the kind of kids that Mac loves to recruit, the kind of competitors that they are. Um, I just, I have faith that they're going to bounce back and, and continue to drill and continue to do the work and practice that's going to translate into game before they're really refined going into uh, 
a potential Big East tournament, if not the NCAA tournament. So, uh, yeah, I'm seeing three and two from Jerry, four and one from Tommy. Uh, you guys, let me know which games you think they're going to win, which games you think they're going to lose. Um, like I said, the next five game is Marquette, uh, and then Georgetown again, and then Villanova at home, DePaul at home, and then Xavier on the road. So. Uh, another question from Jerry. How much fun was that first Big East game that you guys played against Marquette at home on New Year's Eve night? You guys started hot and blew them out. Crowd was loud. Fun night. Man. Let's go down memory lane a little bit, shall we? Uh, so, yeah, New Year's Eve. Um, first ever Big East game. There was such a buildup to that game uh, that uh, obviously nerves and anxiety kind of built up with me uh, personally. Just because we knew how big it was for our fan base, we had just left the Valley and we left it about the best way that you can, winning regular season and um, tournament before leaving that conference and, and moving to the Big East. There was a buildup with it being Doug's last year, obviously the class of seniors that we had, myself included, Grant Gibbs and Ethan. Um, understanding this was our, our last big push for that group who had had so much success already. Um, so it all culminates basically into that very first game, which if people remember earlier that year, we would have had a chance to play Marquette in the Anaheim tournament over Thanksgiving, but we messed up and we lost to San Diego State uh, in the semifinals, right? Because I think we ended up playing for the third place game that we also lost to George Washington. But uh, yeah, Marquette was on the other side of that bracket. Had we beat San Diego State, we would have played against Marquette for the championship, Marquette ends up winning that championship against San Diego State that beat us, if I'm not mistaken. We lose to George Washington in the Anaheim tournament. So, uh, yeah, it was just uh, such a crazy turnaround that, like, a couple weeks later, we have them as our very first game um, in Biggie's play. And you want to talk about a crowd and how that certainly helped uh, swing things in our favor. There's there's a few games at CenturyLink at the time uh, that I vividly remember the crowd absolutely losing it their minds. It was one of them is sophomore year bracket busters when Antoine Young hits that floater at the buzzer to beat Long Beach State and our crowd prematurely rushes the floor. <laughs> the crowd is going crazy. They have to clean everything up. They put like 0.4 seconds up on the clock or whatever. The buzzer goes out, so we actually win. The crowd tries to rush the floor again. And Coach Mack was like, you know what, you guys, go join the student section. So we ran out to the student section and just started jumping around. And uh, So that, that was definitely one of them. Uh, Doug's better buzzer beater versus St. John's at home senior year was another huge pop that, you know, I, I vividly remember that entire night versus Marquette. Oh, Villanova at home, obviously. Like, I'd be remiss to, to not bring that up. That Marquette game was incredible. You talk about, like, from start to finish, the excitement of a crowd, uh, the ups and the downs of that game. We were going on runs. They were going on runs. You know, we were knocking down threes. They were getting fast break opportunities. Uh, 
and we we basically controlled that game. I, I wouldn't say necessarily from start to finish, but we kind of got the handle of the game about halfway through the first half, and we understood, like, look, this is our game to lose. We just have to do what we know to do. Um, at the same time, it wasn't one of Doug's best games. You know, it wasn't one of those uh you know memorable Doug performances that we all kind of grew accustomed to watching but the supporting cast did an awesome job of filling in those shoes um to this day when I go back and I kind of listen to that broadcast it's it, it's amazing because you can barely hear the announcers on tv but you can hear the crowd in the background so vividly so that yeah that game was crazy I remember when Sweet Caroline <laughs> was kidding <laughs> <laughs> when Sweet Caroline was playing in the intercom during uh, one of the timeouts, they cut the song out because the ball had been inbounded and 18,000 fans on their feet were singing at the top of their lungs and Marquette literally hands us the ball and, and we create a turnover because of the crowd. That was insanity. And it's one of those memories that I'll, I'll never forget. I, I personally had a really good game that game too, so that that's awesome. Um, but that crowd was absolutely amazing. Thank you, Jerry, for bringing me back down memory lane one more time. <laughs> that that was definitely fun. Speaking of Marquette, that's the Jay's next game um, on Saturday. Like I mentioned before, uh, it should be a really good one. The Jays owe this Golden e- uh, th- this Eagles team. Um, because they lost to them the first Big East game at home so this year. So looking forward to that game. So you guys let me know in the comment section what your expectations are of that game. Or, you know, you could request to speak and let your voice be heard. We got about five minutes left in the podcast. Um, or, you know, this is not the actual Welcome to the J podcast. This is another chance for me to interact with the fans of the podcast, fans of Creighton Basketball. Uh, talk to them about the current state of affairs in in the Jays' uh, locker room and in the building and see if we can make some sort of sense of, you know, what's going on. I'm going to be doing this a little bit more. Uh, obviously, I hope that you guys enjoy this format a little bit more as well. It's a little bit more personal. I get to know you a little bit more. Uh, you get to speak your mind and interact with me uh, as well. Um, obviously, don't forget to uh, like and subscribe to the Field of 68 Media Network, where I'll be doing the Welcome to the J podcast. So far, we are on episode nine. I just had a great interview with Josh Jones uh, last night, uh, talking about a whole slew of different things from his upbringing in Omaha to playing for Altman and Coach Mack, the differences between the two uh, coaches you know, his his philanthropic work that he's done in the community of North Omaha, especially. So the audio podcast is already out on Spotify and Apple podcast um, as of this morning. And the video podcast will, uh, I think, will come on Twitter a little bit later on in the day. I will retweet it as soon as the Field of 68 uh, Media Network puts it up uh, for you guys to, you know, enjoy that content. And, you know, I'm, I'm always working on getting some of my former teammates, some current players. Uh, eventually, you're going to try and get a couple of members of the coaching staff uh, on the podcast as well to, to keep the conversation going. So 
make sure you guys like and subscribe. And then obviously tell your friends about the locker room app that we're on right now. Uh, so we can have a little bit more interactions like we are having today. I'm, I'm having a blast kind of interacting with the few of you that are on here. Obviously, I'd like to be able to interact with more of you, you know, as the days um, as the days come. Jerry, one more question from you. Bigger concern versus Marquette, stopping John and Garcia down low or stopping DJ Kern from hitting threes and driving to the hole? Uh, there's a little bit of a trend that I'm not um, – too happy to see uh especially with the jays this year and it's that when bigs get going early the jays have a really tough time stopping everybody else uh the formula to beat the jays right now is inside out uh it happened at providence um butler did a good job of getting the ball inside because of their lack of shooting outside but that came from a different that came from their guards driving more or less than it is just a traditional big backing down um obviously against marquette the first time around they had issues with it uh did i mention providence already right and then last night a georgetown team that obviously they got hot and made some uncharacteristic threes some tough ones some high arcing threes that we hadn't necessarily seen them knock down during the year but also there's second chance points and, and you know, uh, offensive rebounds and, and cleaning things up down low once they got opportunities with, you know, pump fakes, up and under moves. That really hurt the boys too. So um, I would say if I had a concern between, you know, stopping down low or stopping the threes, uh, the boys should really focus on limiting the inside play, you know, points in the paint. If they could win that battle, then I really love our chances on the road against the Mar against that Marquette team. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes teams get hot. That kind of happened last night against Georgetown, where they just started bombing away and, and making some uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic threes. But I believe that most of these Big East teams, their bread and butter is to go inside and then to go outside after they've established an inside presence. So. The, the number one concern for me is to stop market inside before anything else. All right. I think that'll do it for me for today. Thank you guys for joining me. Like I said, remember to like and subscribe to the Field of 68 Media Network. Again, tell your friends to tell a friend to tell a friend that, you know, we are on this locker room app. If you want to interact with me like you guys have done today, that was awesome. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I appreciate you guys for taking time out of your busy days uh, and you know chopping up with me a little bit uh, we will be back this is my second time doing this and i'm enjoying the feedback um and i can't wait to hear from you guys enjoy saturday's game uh we are working on a few guests uh for the welcome to the j podcast but again you know i'm, I'm in I'm an open guy, so you guys could tweet at me. You could let me know which guests you would like to see, which guests you would like to see me attempt to get. You know, we, we try to get a, a wide variety of guys. Uh, I can always reach out to the guys that the fans want to hear from. Um, so, yeah, you guys let me know. I'll try to reach out to the, to the people and, and see if they're willing to come on the podcast and, and speak their experience of either being a former player or however they're associated with the program. And, you know, my goal is to just keep reaching out to you guys and, and keep providing content that is just going to continue to connect us as Blue Jay fans so I can hear your perspective and you guys can hear mine as well. 
All right, everybody, stay safe, take care, hug your loved ones, and go through.